Alright guys, it's Nick here. As you guys have come to know, if there's something before the cold open where there's no music running underneath it, then it's probably something that needs to be added in after the fact. As most of you guys probably saw, like we were promoting on Instagram and Twitter throughout the week, uh, we were supposed to have our interview with the Jackals bench coach and head of baseball scouting league, Scott Eiselhart. That interview was all ready to go. We had everything recorded and ready to be uploaded, but then at the last minute, we had to pull the interview for the time being. So that's getting pushed back uh, indefinitely. When we have a date, uh, you guys will know it. We'll put it right out. Because like I said, it's ready to go. I just can't air it for reasons that I can't get into. That much said, next week's interview with Billy Horn is still slated to go on. And on this show... We do still have some news. It's still about a 25-minute, 30-minute long show. Uh, next week, we'll try to make the next week's show even longer. We'll try to get it two hours to kind of compensate for this short week. Outside of that, the only thing I have to say is we did forget to put in our Indie Ball Top 10 this week. We were supposed to do it like we said on last week's show today. However, kind of it slipped our minds. We only remembered when we were doing the plugs. And at that point, we looked at it. We said, oh, we're running long because at this point, we still had the interview to air. And as a result, we decided to just push it back because it would be better off having it as a feature piece next week in addition to our interview than to just rush through it in five minutes. Uh, so that was our decision there. The main bullet points from this, this week's show is a bit shorter because we had to cut the interview for the time being. We also moved our top 10 to next week. We still do have Billy Horn on for next week, so we look forward to that. Uh, I apologize that, you know, this is happening. I wanted to air an interview. Something came up. I can't air it. And as a result, that's what we're left with today. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode anyway. And uh, without further ado, I'll hand it back over to myself for the rest of that cold open. For the 61st time, we return again to bring you more information from the world of independent league baseball. So you'll want to listen to this one here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. So we will begin with, I suppose, the little bit of Frontier League news that we have. They moved the tryout back again. This comes as next to no surprise. It was kind of supposed to, we all knew it was going to be postponed. It was supposed to be next Friday and then June 14th as well. So those have been postponed indefinitely. Everything else that applied last time we discussed this applies again now. So postponed indefinitely. Uh, Only essential personnel will be there whenever this does happen. I believe that probably things like gloves and masks will also be required. And if you've registered already, you're still registered. If you want to register, well, registration's closed, so you have to try a local team tryout and the whole nine that goes with there. So uh, yep. not not that surprising. No, not surprising at all. I mean, the times we live in, right? Postponed and cancellations abound uh, in this COVID-19 world. So, yeah, I mean, obviously something that was uh, foreseeable. And unfortunately, I think a lot of these things will continue to be canceled uh in the foreseeable future so exactly i mean the the only bit of interesting aspect that i could get from this story was before i saw that the trials and whatnot was was postponed i did have a hitting instructor for one of the teams i won't say who or 
who the guy is or what team they work for. They did say that they are being told to get ready for spring training in mid-June and then uh, season start in July. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, personally, I don't see how that's going to work when you have projections now of daily death tolls in June of being 3,000 people. I don't see how you could reasonably expect to gather a bunch of people from around the country and in some cases outside the country all for a spring training camp to then hope to play baseball with fans in in the stands in July. I I just don't see that. I, I don't see it either. I mean, obviously, we've talked about it before. The biggest issue is geographic location and where these hot spots pop up. Um, certainly, it seems that the region we're in is on the you know the decline in terms yeah. of number of cases, number of hospitalizations, and number of deaths. Um, and you know, I'm certainly very thankful for that. However, unfortunately for a lot of the country, that's not the case. Just because they didn't get hit as hard as soon, you know, uh, now it's kind of fluctuating, and you have to see what the data. I mean, the, the only thing to do at this point is, I guess, you know, it's important to say be prepared, right? You can certainly say be prepared, <clears throat> but it also by the same token. You don't want to be completely overly optimistic in terms of what's going on here. You you want to look at it from a very ra- rational and practical angle, which is the the data suggests it'd be very hard to start the season in June and <laughs> I mean uh, you know preseason stuff and then into July would just be I don't know it'd be very hard. Um, it'd be very hard. I I don't know how it would be possible but uh you know we can only hope that it is exactly i mean like hopefully they're right hopefully that's what's going to happen but at the same time uh, there's just so many different working parts and as you're about to see when we talk about the the saints plans to reopen i just i don't see how it's going to be possible plus you have to keep in mind here too that when we go through the everything the saints are going to be doing it's a lot easier for them, too, because, A, the way their ballpark is structured, it's bigger. They have more right. space. It's a brand-new ballpark, too, so there's a lot that's already been taken care of just by by the benefit of being new, by only being, like, 5, 10 years old. So that helps them out a lot. And for a lot of these Can-Am parks, they're more like 25, 30, 35 years old. I mean, the the newest one I can think of out of all of them it's probably Rockland slash New York Boulders Park uh, yeah. in, up there in, uh, I think it's Pomona. And mm-hmm. that was the newest one. I think that one is about 10 years old. So that one probably could do a lot of the social distancing stuff, especially because they have basically ballpark round seating. So that will yeah. help them out a lot. But for a lot of these other ballparks, they just don't have that kind of luxury. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a lot of the social distancing that could happen in, say, Yogi Berra. And I just don't see how a lot of that's possible. Sure, right. the, the, the actual seating is easy. But mm-hmm. the one of the things you got to keep in mind here is, and that you'll see in this thing, and I suppose we should just jump in because I keep referencing it, is what happens if there's a rain delay? Right. Do you just tell people, oh, you got to sit in the rain? I mean, already, Yogi Berra does not have really any sort of overhead. I mean, the one or two times we've been caught in the rain, we're standing in, like, the, what, about 10 foot by 12 foot overhang area, if that. If that, yeah, that little uh, little kind of cut out hallway sometimes you go in there. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, there's just no place for that. So you have to factor that in unless you put up more of an overhead, 
or some sort of way you could social distance people all on the uh, concourse, but I that mean, concourse isn't, isn't big enough. It's impossible, right? That, that's my point. That concourse in Yogi Berra and even in Skylands is just almost impossible to be able to deal with in terms of social distancing because if there's even a little bit of volume at these games, if there's even, you know, 500 people, which is not that many for these games, if there's 500 people there, you know, I mean, that's a lot of people that you're going to have to keep six feet apart. And the data is suggesting that six feet might not even be far enough. So if like, you know, so we're going to try to keep people six feet apart and it's going to be hard. And then are we going to require people to wear masks? How does that work in terms of food and concessions? So uh, can you take the mask? I mean, obviously you have to be able to take the mask off to eat your food, right? To eat yeah. your concessions. So, right, like, if we're requiring people to have masks on, well, then can they, you know, when can they take them off? When do they have them, have them on? What's the priorities with this? I mean, it is, there are so many different facets to this. And then there'll be people who just won't listen. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people now who just aren't listening to these guidelines. And, you know, if you're not going to listen to the guidelines, what do you, then you got to remove people from parks. And uh, and then and, that gets know. real messy. And exactly. then then there's not even the people. Then you got to factor in the people that aren't even intentionally not listening. That are just kind what? of indirectly doing something that they're not allowed to do at the present moment in time. I mean, there's, right. there's a whole slew of different things. I mean, hell, even just so even something as simple as just waiting in a line. If you're a little too close or if you're sneezing or something, there's just so many little things here that are so, so minor, so innocuous that you wouldn't think twice about that nowadays you do it. It's a major problem because we're well in the middle of a pandemic and yep. that's just a major issue. So with that said, I'm going to dive into kind of the Saints plan and I guess we could kind of break it down uh, piece by piece here and kind of what our thoughts are on that and also how you could adapt that to some of these other leagues. I think for the Atlantic League, a lot of this is pretty adaptable. Uh, so yeah. mainly the Frontier League is, I think, where most of our talk is going to come in here. Uh, there's several steps. The first one would be a transition to a cashless ballpark. So you'd use your card or like Apple Pay or whatever it may be, Venmo, that sort of thing, as much as mm -hmm. possible to avoid having to hand cash over. Because if it's just a card, then you could just kind of swipe it and it's a lot easier to handle than dealing with cash where it changes so many different hands. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's a smart move. Yeah, no, that, that I think was always going to be a necessity. So already I'm thinking Skylands, you're not going to have that kind of a beer cart thing that's sitting out in the middle of the uh, concourse there, you know, <sighs> racing the seats. So that's going to be a thing. <laughs> so now you're actually going to have even more of a backlog there at the only other place in that ballpark where you can buy beer on those two concession stands, which you can't that's buy right. at most of it only through the one window. So that's going to back up even further. Yeah, that it will back up even further. And yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, that, that beer cart is always, somebody's always buying beer there. I mean, so it's, yeah, I mean, that'll be, that's a big money loss if they go, uh, I mean, I, I suppose you could go, you know. I mean, you um, could get like that tile thing or yeah. or whatever it is. So you square, could make it yeah. work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, square, that's it. And that could work. So it's adaptable, but it's going to be a lot harder. Plus, you got to factor in the type of people that are going to these games. Are the kind of people that are going to be paying with their card, or are these the kind of people that are just going to, you know, be paying with cash? So that's also something you got to factor in too. Right. Absolutely. So then the next thing is there's going to be hand sanitizing stations throughout CHS Field. Uh, that's also kind of a given. That's something that's, that basically everyone can do. 
Uh, they also considered the options of having uh, kind of disinfectant misters. So, you know, like the kind of misting thing that a lot of ballparks set up for hot days outside of them. That kind of uh, thing, but only in the ballparks. And they would spray disinfectant down. Okay. Uh, and then also disinfectant spray. So they'd spray everything down uh, to throughout the uh, throughout the game. So when you go to your seat and everything, they'd spray it all down, wipe it down first. So, That's a good idea. Yeah, the spray can work. I think the misters are going to be too costly to make it uh, to make it effective. Yeah. Uh, their seating setup is going to be the three seats closest to each of the aisles. So the three aisle seats on either side of the row, those are empty. There's going to be then a group of five seats together. And then you're going to have four empty seats, then five together, then four empty seats, then five together, then the three empty on the aisle. So that kind of set up there. Uh, also, there will be an empty row behind and in front of each row with people in it. It's a good idea. I mean, and that works too. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a good setup. Obviously, you're losing a lot of seats, but yeah, it's a good setup. Yep. I believe the Saints uh, VP slash GM did a, did a, uh, I guess kind of like a Zoom call thing that the Saints have been doing every so often yesterday. And he said that that's going to limit their ballpark seating from about 7,000 to 2,000. So, factor of a figure about a third of the ballpark. So, wow. yeah. It's going to be rough. Uh, and just like for that, and that's where you're really going to run into a problem for a lot of these former Can-Am parks and Frontier League parks. A lot of them aren't that big. I mean, a lot of them, their max capacity is like 3,000. So, now your max capacity is what? More like a couple hundred to a thousand? Yeah, I mean, and, and is that even worth it at that point? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see how that's economically viable, especially if you figure concessions and all that's going to be down. Yeah, it's going to be down big time. Yep. So next phase here, all non-fans and not players and not coaches are required for temperature scans. So basically, if you're working a concession, if you're a third party that's working there, if you're front office staff, anyone that's not a fan, a player, or a coach, you're going to have a temperature check before you can enter the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, that's another good idea there. I mean, that's another one that is, uh, you know, I mean, oh, almost you'd be better off temperature scanning all fans, but we'll get to that. Probably, probably not possible. <laughs> so then we're going to also have any fan facing staff. So people that are going to be kind of generally walking to seats, uh, handling food, handling merchandise in a team store, whatever it may be. They are going to have to wear uh, masks and gloves. That's pretty standard. I feel like everybody's going to have to do that. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, media and front office staff are going to be prohibited from the clubhouse. So they're not going to be allowed by the players, at least in the ballpark. So that's going to be a bit of a damper for a lot of folk, including ourselves. Yep, that's going to be great. <laughs> Makes it hard to do the job, but at such... Such is life, and that's what the circumstances demand. That's what has to happen. Yep. Um, also, all fans are subject to health screenings prior to entry. So I assume that also means a temperature scan, but it could also mean various other things too, which I don't quite know yet what that, that entails. It just said health screenings. So not sure yeah. how that's going to go. I mean, health screenings, I don't know what that means. I don't like it being so open-ended, but uh, certainly temperature checks uh, I really do understand. I think that would be, you know, as many people as you could temperature check makes a lot of sense to me just to make sure that nobody is 
already showing symptoms. Obviously, we know that asymptomatic carriers really are the bigger issue, but it's certainly better to, you know, if you, if you can avoid having people in there that are sick, it's the, the best thing for everyone at this point. Exactly. Obviously, entering the ballpark, exiting the ballpark, and everything that entails being in the ballpark will require social distancing. Uh, that's kind of a given, so they're going to be marking stuff out on the floors and whatnot uh, to say this is where you can stand in line, this is where you have to be, that kind of thing. If you've been to a store in the past two months, basically that is going to be the ballpark experience. Also, there's only going to be e-tickets, so you're not going to have a physical ticket. So if you walk up and buy something at a box office, uh, obviously the full plexiglass is going to be there. You're going to talk through that, and they'll probably ask for your email, so then they will email you the ticket that you'll then use to get into the ballpark. Yep, and that's a good idea. That's another really smart one uh, because, like you said, you got the full plexiglass there anyway, so that is something that doesn't really need to be changed all that much. Exactly. Uh, so then there's also going to be creating lanes in the concourse, too. I call them lanes because it's going to be one going one way, one going the other way. So basically, like, lanes of traffic. Uh, that's how that's going to work, so that way people aren't running into each other. Now, will people follow the lanes? That's doubtful. But they're still going to exist. It's a good try. It's a good start. It's like maybe in Minnesota they'll be more receptive to that. I know in New Jersey that would not really work well because people don't like standing in lines when they're trying to get somewhere. So they're just going to walk in the other lane. So then next uh, next thing is no buffets. That's kind of obvious. So they're going to be propping the bathroom doors open. They're going to put motion sensors in for the faucets and for the flush systems on urinals and toilets. And they're also going to shut down every other sink and every other urinal. That way there can be social distancing in the bathrooms as well. And that's, you know, I mean, again, the bathrooms are tough. Not an easy situation, not an easy setup, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, that's the thing. Uh, I see all these things here, and I think half of them are realistically possible for the Frontier League. I think all of them are very possible for both the American Association and the and the Atlantic League, too. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think... Half of them are possible for some of these leagues. Half of them are possible for others. Uh, you know, maybe this is to me. This would be more of 2021 guidelines than 2020 guidelines, um, because I just don't know if it, right now, with things as they are, if that's a feasible plan of action. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with that. I think right now, like you said, there's just too many people that are asymptomatic and too many people that. I think there's just there's too much going on right now where you can reasonably expect a lot of people to follow this, and there's a lot going on that I just don't think this will be enough. You know, I think there's going to be too many people that are going to be skittish about it. And unless you see a giant change or you see a massive spike in testing, I just don't see how that's going to work for 2020. I agree there. Yeah, I agree. I think it would just be very, very difficult. Exactly. So, uh, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, the Saints did say they need fans to play. So, if fans can't be in the ballpark, they're not going to play. Um, then also, they they mentioned that there should be a new schedule coming out for the American Association in a few weeks. So, I take that to mean we're going to wait and see how the situation develops. And if it develops to a point where we're comfortable, realistically consider playing in July... Then we'll work on a schedule then, but we want to see if it gets really bad before we put the effort and the time into, well, making up a new schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is, right? 
Exactly. I think it would be very difficult to uh, to put a new schedule out right now. Anyway, exactly. And it's not worth the effort if it's just going to you know kind of fall apart. So, uh, with that said, we'll move to the Atlantic League's ticket policy. Uh, the Barnstormers announced that their home games, and it sounded like any home game this year, could be exchanged for any other home game in 2020 or any home game in 2021. And then the Ducks and the Patriots have the same policy. Any game that's been postponed so far in the 2020 season can be exchanged for a game later in 2020 or a game in 2021. So that would mean any game in May, any game in April, any game will most likely be June and July, or at least June, could be exchanged for a game later this year or next year. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good policy to have in effect because it'll really make people more comfortable with, you know, oh, okay, well, I could buy this ticket and maybe it's more of a, you know, especially people buying for birthdays and other things. You can say, oh, you know, I'll buy you this ticket and maybe you won't be able to go immediately, but then you can always go next season. So, yeah, exactly. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I like the Barnstormers one better. I think any game for this year, for next year, is more fair and I think it'll be better. I think that even if you do play this year, a lot of people won't want to go and would rather just eat the money on the ticket than risk it at the ballpark. I think being able to exchange any game that's this year for another game is the better long-term policy. Now, I'm not sure if that's something that's financially viable or not, but it just seems like a better policy in my mind. Agreed. Yep. I agree with that. Yep. So with that, we're going to now move to our makeshift game of the week, which is High Point versus Southern Maryland. Now, what this essentially is, is the the High Point Rocks and the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs had kind of a food drive-off. Uh, they each spent the whole day yesterday trying to raise food for the local food banks and whatnot. Uh, the winner's still pending. I haven't seen any winner announced on social media as of the time we're recording this, which is about 4 o'clock on Saturday. So, I don't know who won, but it was a day-long event. They kind of played sort of a game, and uh, yeah, the community won. So, good for them. Yeah, good for them. I mean, that's cool. These type of events we've seen more and more of, and trying to do different things just for the community during this time is uh, very important. Exactly. And then the last, uh, there's two other things I just want to get to quickly. Uh, kind of a Saints thing, their virtual tryout. Uh, they went into the voting stages. We mentioned it last week. So you can go vote on their Instagram and their Twitter to vote who you want to move along in the uh, next round of their virtual tryout to see who's going to potentially get a contract for 2020. I say potentially because we don't know if they're going to play yet. So you could go do that. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was uh, the story I saw about Isaac Wenrick. This story for last year, which is he was working construction, then he got a call from the Jackals to come in. Obviously, from what Scott said and what we've been saying, he was a total glue guy. I know I've talked with him a little bit on Instagram, and he seems like a really nice guy. So I'd love to have him on, too, at some point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, now he's working with the Giants. He's kind of a, a little bit of like a scouting apprentice. He sits behind home plate and logs all the pitches and then compiles the game into about a 30 minute recap. And he also works with, uh, injured Giants catchers. So he, he does have a job now with a major league organization. And, uh, like I said, I would love to have him on at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that absolutely makes, uh, a lot of sense. And, uh, I would love to have him on as well. He's, a great guy has certainly put in the time and the effort to work 
from where he was to kind of where he is now, and it's really awesome to see. Yep, exactly. And he has a he has a long history in independent league piece. Probably played some years in the Atlantic League. I believe he was even a, an Atlantic League All Star one year too. Yep. So uh, the guy is definitely an indie ball guy. And like I said, I'd, I'd like to have him on the show at some point. But uh, yep. with that said, I think we are now approaching nearly two hours. So this is going to be a long episode. So it'll be a fun one for everyone to listen to. So uh, we'll jump into the plugs now and then hit the ground running. So you can find the show just about anywhere you can find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podomatic, or, you know, wherever you can really find shows. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and also share the show to help us grow and continue to get uh, bigger and hopefully be able to do more things on the program and get better guests for you. Uh, and then we also have uh, Twitter. We have Indie Ball Pod. You can follow us there. You can follow us on Instagram, Indie Ball Report James and Indie Ball Report. Uh, post a lot of stuff on each of those. So definitely something to keep an eye out for. And then what else do we got to plug? Uh, the website too, which you can find uh, articles, show notes, uh, all the podcast episodes, all the everything there. That is IndieBallReport.com. And you can also follow the YouTube channel, Indie Ball Report Podcast on YouTube. Uh, that said, do we have anything else left to add? Uh, just as usual, as I've said every week, uh, give my usual thank you to all of everyone who's keeping America running uh, and the world running, really, during these difficult times, the unsung, unsung heroes, um, and to all the baseball players who are hurting, baseball players and coaches who are hurting right now because um, they are out of work at the moment. You know, uh, My heart goes out to you all, and, and I hope for all of us that we start to see some shifting on the health front. Um, so soon enough, we can hopefully get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, again, just want to thank all of those, of course, healthcare, healthcare workers and everyone on the front lines. Yep. I'm going to continue to do my singling out people and in industries to thank, and I'm going to pick uh, one that's going to seem like so obvious right now, but I'm going to thank all the uh, news reporters and whatnot that go out there into the field and they're reporting live from field hospitals and just outside of actual hospitals. They go in to areas that almost certainly are crawling with the COVID and they do their live reports and everything from there. Uh, it, it takes a lot to constantly be going out and doing the reports and keeping everybody informed to the best of their ability. So thanks to them for that. So with that said, do we have anything else left, Dad? Nope. Alright, so then we'll end this show like we end every show. Don't forget to play ball.